Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. I'm going to continue my series um, that I've entitled Between a Rock and a Hard Place. And uh, I'm just kind of talking about um, what we do when we're in these pressing times. And Jesus actually said this in John 16, He said, these things I've spoken to you that in me, say in me. I love those in Christ in Jesus, in him, in me, when Jesus is saying, this is one of those great in Christ scriptures, in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. That word for tribulation in the Greek, it's a flipsis, flipsis, and it means to be pressed together, kind of like being pressed between a rock and a hard place. So he's saying in the world, you might be between a rock and a hard place, but be of good cheer. So even when there's tribulation, even when you feel like you're between a rock and a hard place, you're being pressed, we can be of good cheer. We don't have to be afraid. We can be people of faith. We can be people of joy, of supernatural joy, people of supernatural peace. In me, you may have peace because I have overcome the world. So I'm going to kind of talk about tonight why, why we're sometimes placed between a rock and a hard place. Why is there tribulation? Why do these pressing things occur in the world? And, you know, as believers, you will face pressure from the world because oftentimes we are going in the opposite direction. If the, if the current of the world is going one way and you're going the opposite way, there is going to be some pressure. Something is going to be pressed up against you. So that, that's what this word tribulation means. You're going, to be, you're going to be facing some opposition from the world, from the systems of this world, from the prince of the power of the air that works in this world. We're going to come across, we, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And he also sent us out to do his work. So we're going to be destroying the works of the devil. Amen. We're going, to be, we're going to be counteracting the one that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So we're going to come in, in, into this world to, to be givers, to, be li- to, to, to pour life into people. Amen. We're going to be do, doing the opposite of what, of what the enemy is doing. You know, if you never face pressure from the world, if you're never placed between a rock and a hard place because of this world, um, it might be because you're going in the direction of the world too much. And we don't want to be carried away with the world. It doesn't take you to a good place. I love that Jesus said, in me, you may have peace. In me, you may. We always need to be in Jesus, in him. We have a secret place, a place where we can have supernatural peace. I love that Jesus also said, be of good cheer. Sometimes when people talk about the difficulties that are in the world or the pressure that we face from being in the world or the opposition that we face in the world, they, they get very, very fearful and you need to hide and no, Jesus is saying, be of good cheer. People of faith are people of good cheer. I love what, what the Bible says in 1 John 4, verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. So in context, he's talking about all this anti-junk in the world, these false prophets, the antichrist spirit, those who subscribe to a spirit of error, those who people who just proclaim um, falsehood rather than the spirit of truth. We have overcome them. The truth will always prevail because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We are overcomers. Even though though we're in the world, we are not of the world. And even though we are in the world, we are overcomers. Why? We are still here in this world. 
You don't have to wait to get out of this world. You don't have to wait to go to heaven to be a world overcomer. You know, Romans 8, 37 says, yet in all these things. I'm going to talk more about, about what Paul is talking about here in Romans 8, 37. He's talking about a lot of pressure cooking situations. He's saying no matter what pressure you're facing, no matter what tribulation you're facing, no matter what is coming at you from the world, no matter what is coming at you from the enemy, he's saying yeah, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In him, by him, through him. In me you will have peace. Through him who loved us you are more than conquerors. The Greek there for more than conquerors, it's, it's one word, it's hypernikau. Like, Nike shoes are very popular. I see all, like, half the youth over there wearing Nike shoes, and, and they, they like to comment on Pastor Javier's shoes because he has a new pair of Nikes every time he preaches, I think. He has, he has a different color swoosh for every outfit he wears. He has a blue swoosh, a green swoosh, a red swoosh. Nike means, means to conquer. Hyper means you're, like, above, overacting. You are more. You are a super conqueror. We are super conquerors. That, that means we, even, even in when you're between a rock and a hard place, even when you're facing pressure from the world, that you're still a super conqueror. You can still put on your nice white Nikes and come to church. and You're a, you're a conqueror. You're a victor. Amen? I love what Romans 12, 11 says about being overcomers. Jesus has overcome. We are overcoming. And we will overcome. Our, our victory is past, present, and future tense. It says they overcame him. I, I love this. this. This is a great picture of grace and faith. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. I love that we sang about the blood of the lamb tonight. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. That is, that is just God's greatest offering of his grace to us was the blood of the lamb, the blood of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. That is the, the greatest picture of grace we can see was Jesus Christ dying for our sins. He who knew no sin, who became sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. We overcome by the blood, that is a picture of grace, and by the word of our testimony. That is faith. Our, our faith is a living testimony. It is a speaking testimony. Amen? So let's go to Daniel. I want to talk about um, someone who, who was really placed between a rock and a hard place, um, speaking about just being in, in a very worldly environment. You know, David actually was taken captive from, from the nation of Israel, from, from the land of Israel, um, um, in the Babylonian exile. He lived under four different kings and three different world empires. None of them were godly kings. None of them were godly empires. Yeah, so he was in, in a very opposition-type environment, you know, um, he was under um, the Babylonian kings of Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. He was also under the Median king Darius and the Persian king Cyrus. And um, man, God's favor supernaturally protected him. So even when he was placed in, in a very difficult situation, in a difficult environment, uh, because he was, he was facing tribulation from the world, tribulation from these world leaders, the favor of God protected him. I want to, to really drive this point home tonight with you all. The favor of God will supernaturally protect you. And as I was studying um, 
through the book of Daniel, I, I, I saw a lot of similarities between what he was facing in the world then and what we're facing in the world today. That, that Babylonian system, the, the, I'll call it the spirit of Babylon, which is really being spurred by the, the spirit of the prince of the power of the air, as Ephesians 2 verse 2 says, speaking of, of the enemy, of the devil who, who works through people who sometimes works through leaders, who sometimes works through world systems, that there is a, a spirit of Babylon, that, that system is very much present on the earth today. So I just want to give you a few, a few indicators that you can see that this spirit is really, um, the system is really trying to gain traction even today. Um, so I want to give you a couple of pointers about this spirit of Babylon. Number one, the spirit of Babylon tries to lay siege to the kingdom of God and the people of God. Something about the kingdom of God and the people of God really irks that spirit of Babylon. You know, it's not irked by, by New Age. It's not irked by Islam. It's not irked by Buddhism. It's, it, but it's really irked by the people of God and by the kingdom of God. There's several years ago that I, I remember... Um, I was in college, and uh, there was a, a big um, women's march in D.C. You know, for for you know abortion and women's rights. This was 10 years ago, so even women's rights is spurred into something completely different today. Where like the world exalts women who aren't even women. Women who are men are now women of the year, which doesn't make sense to me. I don't think if a man is better at being a woman than a woman is, I don't. I think that's kind of anti-feminism. But, uh, you know, they, they had, uh, they were all wearing, you know, hats that were shaped like female genitalia. That, that was one, you know, um, logo for their movement. But another logo they had was uh, a woman wearing a hijab, Islamic women. They were, they were trying to partner with, with Islamic women. And I thought that's so strange because Islamic, Islam is one of the most oppressive, like women, you 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 just got to go, in the afterlife, you don't even, you just be, you're just part of some man's harem in the afterlife. You're one of his many wives in the afterlife. And, and even legally in Islam, you don't, you're, you're not even, you don't count as a full person. So I, like, I don't understand why they're, it's that spirit of Babylon that, that is just allying themselves with other people, other systems that, that are really also irked by the kingdom of God and the people of God. So the spirit of Babylon, number one, tries to lay siege to the kingdom of God and the people of God. Number two, seeks to take what is holy and to profane it. Just like Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar, he wanted to take all, he wanted to have a big party and the way he wanted to really celebrate is by taking you know, those, those special cups from the temple in Jerusalem. I want to take those golden cups and I, I want to profane what God has called, called holy, what he has ordained as holy. And um, that, that's really what that spirit of Babylon wants to do. It wants to take what is holy and to profane it. You can see that the world is trying to do that with marriage, with gender, with childhood innocence. Children are holy unto the Lord. You know, I walked into a clothing store just a mile from this church at the shops of Bargate. And in the corner of this clothing store, they had a little, a little kid, kid play area set up. There was a rainbow flag over this little table and, and books for children on, on 
women wearing women and, and, and um, how you can be whatever you want to be. It doesn't matter what you were born. And that, that was here in Carter Springs at the shops at Briargate. Seeking to take what is holy and to profane it. Or try to lure what is holy and to profane it. Number three, Spirit of Babylon demands total obedience and compliance. Everyone must bow down. Everyone. If there is three people standing up out of a million, that is going to irk that spirit of Babylon more than anything else. That one church that wanted to stay open. No one is allowed to pray until I say it. No one is allowed to sing in church until I say it. Spirit of Babylon number four demands idol worship. You can't worship your God, you have to worship my God. Number five, Spirit of Babylon doesn't matter how much territory they have gained, they will always demand more and keep pushing the limits. It's not going to stop. You can't, you can't compromise with that worldly system. Amen. You cannot compromise. It is, it is always going to push past the limits. Amen. And number six, spirit of Babylon, it is on a path to complete insanity. Look at Nebuchadnezzar. Went completely insane. You know, Psalm 2 says, why do the heathen range and the nations plot a vain thing? It says the Lord will hold them in derision. In Hebrew, that word derision, it means, it means to, to go crazy. If you actively plot against the people of God, against the spirit of Christ, you're going to lose your mind. That word to, to be held in derision means to lose your mind. It also means to, to, to begin to babble, to not even be able to speak intelligibly. <laughs> And probably to vote for people who can't even speak intelligibly. But even in the midst of a Babylonian system, when you see the spirit of Babylon at work on the earth today, Daniel's will pop up. Yay! Daniel's will pop up in every sphere. They'll pop up in entertainment, they'll pop up in music, they'll pop up in professional athletics, they'll pop up in academia, they will pop up in business, and they will pop up in the church. And Daniel's will be marked by supernatural favor, by a spirit of revelation, by divinely appointed relationships, and by an attitude and complete demeanor of excellence. So I'm going to talk about those four things that Daniel's will be marked by even in the midst of opposition, even in the midst of being placed between a rock and a hard place by the world. Supernatural favor, the, the favor of God will supernaturally protect you. Right, let's go to Daniel. We'll start in chapter 1, verse 1. So it says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. 
and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. So notice, he, he's wanting to take the, the holy things and to profane them, to put them in the house of his God. Verse 3, then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank for three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. So the, these young Jewish kids, they could have thought, man, we're, we're really fortunate. You know, people have, have been destroyed, homes have been destroyed, but we're actually moving to a palace. We're moving to the, 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 the cream of the cream that we're getting the best food, the best housing, the best everything. And we're here to serve this king. But they, they decided they weren't going to serve that king. They were going to serve the true king, the one true king, the one true God of Israel. Verse 6 is now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Notice that he purposed in his heart. Something in him knew that he was different, that he was set apart. You might be in this world, but you are not of the world. You are ultimately a citizen of heaven. You are ultimately a child of God. You have to purpose some things in your heart when you have a divine purpose. Daniel knew his purpose was greater than what the king wanted to use him for, what Nebuchadnezzar wanted to use him for, what Belshazzar wanted to use him for, what Darius wanted to use him for, what Cyrus wanted. He knew that he had a greater purpose. When you understand you have a divine purpose, the world cannot alter or reshape your purpose. Now, it says in, in verse 9 that God had brought Daniel into the favor and good will of the chief of the eunuchs. So here's a high-ranking official in the Babylonian Empire, one of the highest-ranking officials. And it says that God brought him into the favor and good will. Supernatural favor. We have supernatural favor with God, but God will give you supernatural favor with people, even people who are different than you, even people who think differently than you, have different um, belief systems than you, operate according to a different worlds. God will give you supernatural favor. His purpose is that great on your life that he will, he will give you supernatural favor and he will, he will bring the right people across your path to bring about that divine purpose. Daniel had favor, amen? And that supernatural favor, it will protect you from every single side. I love what Psalm 512 says. It says, for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, you will surround him as with a shield. Favor isn't just to, to make you look good. Favor will protect your life. It will protect the call of God on your life. It will protect that holiness that's on your life. 
We have favor, amen. I love, I love that saying that my dad says. You can say it with me. I have favor with God. I have favor with man. I have a good understanding. And I have supernatural increase. All these things came to pass in Daniel's life. He had favor with God. He had favor with man, with the chief of the eunuchs. He had a good understanding, and God brought him supernatural increase, even in the midst of great opposition, of continued opposition. Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, even, even ne he would get promoted by the end of one guy's reign, and then that guy, something would happen, and then the next guy would come in and just forget about Daniel. But Daniel would rise up again. You know, after Nebuchadnezzar went crazy and, and, and he repented, came back, and, then, and actually he, he did repent. He ended up worshiping the one true God. When his son took over, his, his son just completely got rid of Daniel. We don't hear about Daniel until the end of Belshazzar's reign. And Belshazzar starts losing his mind. You see like this, this repeating thing with the system of Babylon. Belshazzar it says he, he, he began losing his mind when he saw the hand writing on the wall. And then, and then they called for Daniel, and he promoted Daniel. And then that was a very short-lived promotion. Because that same night, Darius came in and knocked out Belshazzar. And Daniel's like, I don't care who promotes me. God, God is the ultimate one who promotes me. My ultimate purpose is with God. It's not with the rulers of this world. He had supernatural favor that brought him protection. Amen. The favor of God will supernaturally protect you. Another thing um, that we can learn from the life of Daniel. Let's read a little bit more about this. I just think it's kind of interesting. Uh, verse 10, Daniel 1, verse 10, it says, The chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see that your faces are looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants." So he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. That's, that's supernatural protection. I love this. He just ate vegetables and gained weight. And someone told me they were doing a Daniel fast and they were hoping to lose weight by doing the Daniel fast. And I said, well, Daniel actually gained weight. Some of you try to do the Daniel fast. All you eat salads and grain smoothies and you still gain weight. The anointing of Daniel is on your life. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you eat. You're just going to have a fatter appearance regardless. I have a different anointing. It doesn't matter what I eat. I'm still going to look like a stick. I remember in college, I'd, I'd drink like a milkshake every night, just trying to gain. I always weighed 135 pounds, no matter what I did, and I'd drink like a milkshake every night and try to work out, and, and I just wouldn't gain a single pound. 
I'm now up to 140. I've gained five pounds in, you know, 15 years or whatever. So that anointing is slightly wearing off. I get to eat Heather's delicacies and uh, their southern cooking can put a few pounds on you. Amen. We have supernatural favor that brings us protection. Next point here, we need to tap into the spirit of revelation. Man, when you are in the midst of opposition, when you are in the world, you, you can't just go through this world without the spirit of revelation. You can't really go through this world without the Holy Spirit that leads us and teaches us and guides us in all truth. You, can't really you cannot tap into that spirit of revelation without Jesus. Wisdom is found in Jesus. Colossians 2 verse 3 says, In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I love that. And 1 Corinthians 1.30 similarly says, But of him you are in Christ Jesus. When you, we talked about being in him, in me, you will have peace. In Jesus, you have wisdom. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God in righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now, there are limits to natural understanding. There are limits to the natural intellect. There are limits to natural wisdom. There are limits to natural ability and to natural reasoning. But you can learn to tap into the spirit of revelation. In Christ, there is hidden treasure. There is an infinite amount of hidden treasure and wisdom and knowledge in the person of Christ. You know, Daniel had incredible natural wisdom and natural understanding. It says out of all these people, they examined him, they tested him. In Daniel 1 verse 20, it says, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined him. So however the king could test him, he could give him a math test, an astronomy test, a science test, a history test, a language test, a literature test. No matter what test he examined him in, he would excel. He would be at the top of the class. In all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined him, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in his realm. God can give you natural wisdom and ability. This is actually a God-given thing. It's not a bad thing to be smart. Some people who are super spiritual, I've heard it before, they say, well, you're just too intellectual to receive from God. Wrong. There are smart people, and God has given them smarts. Daniel is one such person. Paul is another such person. Paul, Paul excelled when he went to Jewish school. He's at the top of his class. You can, be, you can have a doctorate from a top university, and God can give you that intellectual ability to do that. And that, that is a God-given thing. But if you have certain natural abilities, maybe, you, maybe God has given you a certain personality that, that just attracts people, that just helps you get deals in business. And it's just part of your charm, part of your charisma, part of something that's just natural about you. That is going to take you so far. There are going to be situations where you can't just rely upon your natural ability, your natural strengths, your natural giftings, your natural... There are going to be situations when you are in between a rock and a hard place where you have to tap into a spirit of revelation, a supernatural spirit of revelation. And that is always going to supersede natural ability. 
So if you can pick one or the other, pick both. But if you can only pick one, if you can only be spiritually smart or, or naturally smart, pick to be spiritually smart. But it's okay to be, to be naturally smart as well. That is a God-given thing. So it said, Daniel, he, he excelled however he was examined. He was 10 times better than everyone else. But, but there are situations where just natural wisdom will not cut it. And, and the world will, will create those situations. Nebuchadnezzar created that situation. He had a dream. And he called all of his top paid people. All the smartest people in the land, all of his magicians, all the scientists, all the astrologers, all, all the, the, the wise men, all the smartest people in his nation. He called them and he, he put them in between a rock and a hard place. He said, tell me the dream in, the, in interpretation. It's a hard place. And the rock was this, or you will die. And he sent out his general and started killing all, all the highest paid people in the land. He's like Elon Musk when he took over Twitter. He started just firing all the top paid engineers, the top paid just. It's one way to, to make things profitable. My brother Peter works for um, Burger King. They, they bought out um, Tim Hortons in Canada. Burger King is owned by 3G Capital, some of the wealthiest billionaires in the world from, from, from uh, Brazil. And they, they bought out a lot of big American companies. They bought out Heinz. They bought out Anheuser-Busch, they bought out Kraft, they bought out Burger King, but then they, with Burger King, they bought out Tim Hortons, which is the, the Starbucks of Canada. 75% of every cup of coffee poured in Canada is Tim Hortons. So Peter was one of five generals sent to Canada when they took over. They went to, to Oak, Oakville. Is it Oakville? Toronto. Toronto, right outside of Toronto. It's Oakville, I believe. Yeah, the suburb of Toronto. He went, you know, with five, five high-ranking generals, and they, they were deciding, we had a dream. <laughs> Our billionaire boss had a dream. You need to tell us what the dream was and the interpretation, or you'll be axed. And they, they axed, I think, of, of 1,000 people at corporate. Within a month, they axed 750 people. And one, and one, all in one day, they set up tents. They didn't even let people come in the building. They set up firing tents outside in the parking lot. And my brother was one of these generals who, who he sees things very black and white, so he, he um, understands the ways of corporate America and even corporate Canada, I guess. They moved to Canada because corporate taxes are so high in America. They moved to Canada because corporate taxes are cheaper in Canada. So corporate taxes, I think, at the time were like 40% in the US, and they were 20% in Canada. So make, make friends with those who understand the mammon system of the world. There's a proverb about that that Jesus spoke. So the general comes knocking on Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel's door, saying, it's your time. It's time to die. And they said, let me find what they said. They said, give us some time. We want to pray about this. And God gave them favor. Um, let's read about it in, let me find the exact chapter. Daniel 2. 
Let's read in verse 13. So it said, the decree went out. They began killing the wise men, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch. He's that general, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king. He actually approached Nebuchadnezzar and asked for time. Supernatural favor. They'd already begun killing other wise men. Asked, asked for some time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Verse 17, Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, also known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret. They were seeking mercy from God, grace from God. They were, they were coming together in prayer. And it said that so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Verse 19, then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. So God gave him supernatural revelation. He had the spirit of revelation. In Christ, we find supernatural revelation. Let's read here in verse 24. So it says, Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king and I will tell the king the interpretation. So he actually saves all these wise men's lives. But later on, these wise men still are provoked to jealousy and try to kill Daniel, even after he saved their life. That, that spirit of, of Babylon, that, that, that demonic thing that was working inside of them, even after he, he, he specifically saved their lives, later on they'd still try to destroy him. Verse 25, Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? And Daniel says something very profound here. He answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. It doesn't matter how smart you are in the natural. There are limitations to that type of, 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 of ability. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the, and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. And he tells him about this dream, this image that he saw, this image of this giant figure with, with a head of gold and arms and a chest of silver and thighs of brass and and feet of, I won't go through the whole thing, but God gave him this supernatural revelation and said, it's God. God is the one who reveals these secrets. There are times when your natural intellect will not cut it, and you're going to have to tap into that spirit of revelation. It kind of made me think about my brother, Andrew. I have two younger brothers. They're both very smart people. My brother, Andrew, is probably one of the smartest people I've ever known. Just always... It didn't matter what subject, what class, what test. He would just cream everything intellectually that was ever thrown at him. He went to, to Colorado School of Mines for chemical engineering. While he was there, um, 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 he, I remember one class he took. It was a very difficult class, and a lot of the chemical engineers didn't like taking it. They had to take an organic chemistry class, and it was a notoriously difficult class. 
And they gave him a standardized organic chemistry test that they give to hundreds of universities. And my brother Andrew scored, the, he was the, the very top percentile of anyone who took that test out of, out of hundreds of different universities. He, he might, I think he had the highest score, actually, my dad said. He said he had the highest score in the nation on this test. And um, his, his professor wanted him to, to convert from chemical engineering to just pure chemistry and become you know, an academic and become a professor someday. And, but Andrew wanted to I'll make money. <laughs> so he, he decided to, to go more in the, the money route of engineering and oil and, you know, went into the oil industry eventually. And, um, but after, after he went into the oil industry, he, he got a good job and um, um, he, he was um, promoted fairly quickly and he was a project manager and in charge of building, he's done this a few times, but I think it's the first time he had to oversee a big project, but he had to build uh, a natural gas plant that was worth like $200 million. He, he like flew to Houston when I was going to school in Houston because he had to buy like a compressor for a million dollars. So he was pricing out compressors there in Houston with different companies. And um, he took me out to eat with the, the company credit card. And we ate very well because uh, you know, $100 meal is just like a drop in the bucket for uh, these companies that make millions of dollars a day. Um, but when, when he was building this, this plant, they, they ran into a problem. And um, something about having to cool water or something, they, they weren't able to figure out how to cool. I think, I think it had something. It, and whenever he talks to me about these things, it's just way over my head. <laughs> he tried to explain it to me, and I, I have no clue what he's talking about. But, but anyways. I talked to my dad about it too. They, they ran into this big problem and they, they couldn't figure out how to find the solution to this engineering problem, this, this problem that they were facing with their plant. And um, everyone in the company was trying to figure it out. No one could figure it out. And uh, my dad told Andrew, hey, Andrew, you need to just pray in tongues. He's saying, you need to tap into, you know, he, he's, he's been the smartest guy wherever he's gone. But you need to tap, the, you, that, the, you're going to hit a cap. It doesn't matter how smart you are. There are going to be points, there are going to be situations in life where you're just not smart enough. Where you're just not good enough, you're not talented enough, you're not charming enough, you're not beautiful enough. You're, there's just going to be something in this world that occurs where you're not enough. And, and he, he tapped into that, that supernatural revelation, that supernatural wisdom, and God showed him what to do. And he came to work the next day and said, this is what we're going to do, solve the problem and he was promoted yet again. If you listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll make you look even smarter than you actually are. I love what Romans 8.14 says. Romans 8.14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Who here is a son and a daughter of God? Who here is a child of God? We can be led by the Spirit of God. The first thing the Spirit of God does, the Spirit of God leads you this way. The Spirit of God will lead you to understand that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is who he says he is. The Spirit of God will lead you in that direction. The second thing the Spirit of God will lead you to understand, to believe, is this. That the Bible is the Word of God. The Spirit of God will always lead you to, to understand that the Bible is true. The Spirit of God will also lead you into supernatural wisdom and revelation that pertains 
to life's difficult situations. The spirit, this, this supernatural wisdom, it leads you in other ways too. It, it'll lead you to be able to see when the writing is on the wall. It will, it'll lead you to be able to understand what, you know, what's going on behind the scenes, what's going on in the realm of the spirit. You'll be able to see when things are shifting. They might be shifting politically. They might be shifting economically. Things might be shifting relationally. Things might be shifting spiritually. But that spirit of wisdom will, will, will cause you to see when things are shifting. And when Belshazzar saw that, that writing on the wall, Daniel knew right away, something is shifting. Something, mine, mine, tekel, ufarsen. He's saying something is shifting. Your time is up. Belshazzar promoted him. He did not care because he knew that there was going to be a great shifting. And that shifting happened that very night. We need to tap into that spirit of revelation. Next point is this. You need divinely appointed relationships. When you're, when you're in those difficult times, when you're facing challenges that come from this world, when you're between a rock and a hard place, this reply, applies to any type of difficult situation. It might be, might be a situation where someone put you in that situation where you screwed up and put yourself in that situation or... or Maybe where you're just in that situation because you're, you're in a very adverse worldly environment. You are going to need divinely appointed relationships. You, you need relationships in life that there is a kingdom purpose to them. God, God appoints marriages. That, that it's not just because a man and a woman find each other attractive, but there is a, a kingdom purpose to that marriage. There is a kingdom purpose to that union between one man and one woman. There is a kingdom purpose to this marriage. There is a kingdom purpose to my children being in my family. God has called me to be their father. No one else is called to be their father. No one else is called, called to, to raise them, to speak into their life in the way that I'm called to do that. There is a kingdom purpose for me being a father, for my kids being my kids. There is a kingdom purpose for where I go to church. It's not just because I like the clothes the preacher wears, or I like the, the tunes the band plays, or I like the lights or the fog. Or There's a kingdom purpose. I'm appointed to go to this church. So when I'm 18 and away from home and, and have to take two buses to church and take an hour and a half to get there, I show up every Sunday at 10 a.m. because that is a kingdom appointment for me. It's not based upon my feelings or based upon what's going on in the world around me. I know that God has called me there. There is a kingdom of, I am divinely called, divinely appointed to be a part of that church. There, need to be, there needs to be a divine appointment, kingdom purposes to your friendships, to where you live, with your neighbors, with your coworkers, with your employer, with your employees, with your business ventures. There is, it's not just to, there needs to be a kingdom appoint, appointed purpose behind what you do relationally. God calls divinely appointed relationships and gives a supernatural favor. During times of adversity, you should not be alone. You need a few faith-filled friends. Right away, Daniel found his friends day one. I'm purposing in my heart, I'm not going to live this way. I'm not going to go this way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to face pressure. I'm going to face adversity, starting with what I eat. 
They came into a covenant together. You know, we're going to live with that purpose too. You're not going to be alone, Daniel. You're going to have at least three good friends on this journey. They came into a covenant together. They, they prayed together. When they were between a rock and a hard place, they weren't alone. They didn't just run away. They, 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 they sought God together. They prayed together. And they were protected together. They weren't just friends on their own because they, they, they all like to play Minecraft together. <laughs> or like to go watch the Broncos lose together. There, there's something divine about their friendship. So when they were thrown in the fire, it wasn't just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Amen. There was something divine, divinely appointed about their, about their friendships. When they were tested, when they were tried, when they were examined, when the fire of affliction was on them, God was in the midst of them. Yay. God needs to be in the midst of your relationships. He needs to be in the midst of your marriage, in the midst of your family, in the midst of your business, in the midst of your church. Now, I just did a, a memorial service for a woman who was 96 years old. And in, in her obituary, it said when she was younger, she, she was a teacher, but, but one thing she, she talked about on her deathbed was that all the kids she taught 50 years ago, 60 years ago, that she taught them in, at, at church, in, in kids' church. She just said, I really hope that I get to see them in heaven. That's my greatest hope, is that I get to see all those kids I taught in kids' church in heaven. Kingdom purpose. Divinely appointed relationships. Last point is this, keep an excellent attitude. I like that Jesus said, be of good cheer. Keep a smile on your face. Have a positive attitude. An excellent attitude is a faith-based attitude. A fear-based attitude will cause you to be miserable. Daniel 5, verse 11 and 12, it says, There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding, wisdom like the wisdom of the gods. Someone, someone from our old high school where my brothers went, talked to my dad and said, you, your boys were like the gods. Like the wisdom of the gods were found in them, and King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, soothsayers, inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. I like that they pointed out this excellent spirit. A godly attitude will cause you to shine. When you keep that excellent spirit, that excellent attitude, that excellent demeanor, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. Don't become bitter. Don't become jaded. Don't become cynical. Be of good cheer. Amen. Remain faithful. This is my last verse for you before Heather comes up and does the offering. This is from 1 Peter 2. Verse 9 through 12, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
who once were not a people, but now the people of God, who did not obtain mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims. He's saying you are not of this world. There's something different about you are chosen, you are royal, you are holy, you are special, you are peculiar. You are a sojourner. You are a pilgrim. This is not your home. Abstain from this world. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles that when they speak against you as evildoers, when that spirit of Babylon rises up against them, they just want to come at you. They won't be able to. And they're going to see that purpose in your life. They're going to see the good works that you do for your Father in heaven, that they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Your very life, your very spirit, your very attitude, the very demeanor with which you carry yourself, it is going to speak to people and shine for Jesus. So my conclusion is this. You are in, you are in this world, but not of this world. You are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. You have divine purpose. Your life is and will be marked by supernatural favor. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.